I'm gonna bust some squats out. One, two, three. Okay, got squats. This is the Butterfly Club, a hilariously honest podcast dedicated to uncovering the challenges of postpartum and the wild adventure of motherhood. Join us as fearless moms share intimate stories and unfiltered advice in a safe and supportive space. Do you feel ready? I feel ready. Got it. Okay. Hey, mamas. Welcome to this episode of the Butterfly Club. So just to recap, on our last episode, you guys got to meet Chelsea Ledson, who's a registered nurse with her master's specializing in women's health. And we talked about the origins of the Butterfly Club the Butterfly Club, which was our Seeger Club in high school. Uh, We talked about Chelsea's postpartum experience and any and all advice that she wanted to give new moms. So this podcast is for you guys. Today, we're going to flip the switch a little bit, and I'm going to let Chelsea deep dive with me because we didn't have that much of, of an opportunity last time to do that. So how are you feeling about that, Chelsea? Oh, I am feeling sleep deprived and so excited because I really think that your listeners are going to learn so much from you today. It was kind of my idea. I was like, I need to flip the script and be the one asking you the questions because Megan has just so much great insight. Obviously, that's why she started this whole podcast. And I think everyone's going to learn a lot today from what Megan has to offer. So I'm going to dive right into it get into the meat because ladies and gentlemen you can't talk about any postpartum without hearing about megan's i'm just gonna say the birth story she has two birth stories two kids but she knows the one i'm talking about Megan, (laughs) let all the ladies know that if you're someone like me and you did your seven spreadsheets what could potentially happen (laughs) a day of birth Oh, God. Yeah. So baby number two, I should have guessed it because my first baby came pretty fast. I mean, you know, I would say total, you know, active labor plus birth. I'd give it like three hours. But the second one, she she surprised the heck out of me. She ejected herself. So... (laughs) What do I mean when I say eject? So basically, I'm at my house and I had a doula. We can talk about doulas in another episode. Absolutely essential in my case. Uh, And I did have my membrane swept by my doctor, which basically means like he did a little like, you know, finger move. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Tickle, tickle. Yeah, he did a little finger move that midwives do. And um, the reason why I did it, because I had low platelets and there was some kind of risk or like if, you know, there had to be some kind of intervention later, it was like, you know, the low platelets could cause some issues. So we wanted it to happen on or near my due date. And I also, I really liked my doctor. He's a total cowboy and he, I wanted a natural birth and he really respected that. And so I, I didn't want to like end up. a natural birth. That's for dang sure. 
I did. Yeah. So like I, 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 I originally, I wanted to have my births at a birthing center with a midwife, but unfortunately I didn't have that option. So that was like bullet point number one with regards to my birth plan, not going the way it wanted, but you know, like I appreciate science and low platelets. And if they're going to say I should probably deliver at a hospital, I'll do it. So wanted my doctor. So I let him sweep my membrane and so I go home and, you know, I start getting crampy and, you know, my doula comes over, but, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't like that crampy, like too frequently. And so she, I live near Target, which, you know, is a blessing and a curse, <laughs> but she was like, she was like, I'm going to go to Target real quick to run an errand and, you know, I'll be back in like 45 minutes. And while she's gone, my cramps start getting closer and closer. Still just cramps, you know, hanging out on the couch. My kids running around naked outside. My parents are there. My husband at the time was there. And, um, but like while she's at Target, I'm like, hmm, you know, cramps are, they're, they're starting to happen more frequently. My doctor calls me. He's like, yo, how you doing? Are you good? He didn't say yo, but like, that's how I explain things. And, um, I was like, he was like, okay, so even if you don't go into labor today, just still like active labor. Um, I was in early labor, but meet me at the hospital at seven. I was like, dude, I don't think we have a problem. I will definitely be at the hospital at seven. I just kind of have a feeling that shit's going to happen. So he's like, okay, perf. So I text my doula and maybe like 45 minutes later and I'm like, you know what? I think it's going to happen soon. So she like, you know, probably checks out at Target, maybe doesn't buy a few items because she's like, hmm, maybe I need to get back. And um, which is really hard to do, by the way, when you're at Target, it's so hard to just <laughs> not get everything. all Target's fault. That's what we're going to say. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean for this birth story to be about Target, but kind of <laughs> the beginning was. So, so she gets back to the house and when I start going into active labor, I maybe have had like 15 minutes where I was like, oh shit, like these contractions are getting big. And luckily I've already done this before, not my first rodeo. So I'm like, okay, we're ready. Like enter difficult period. And after about 15 minutes, I hear this like pop and I'm just like, oh fuck, like that must have been my water breaking. And sure enough, I'm standing up, I'm leaning on my couch. I have a photo of this that my doula took and I'm just like my, I'm just like clearly like groaning in the picture, but my water just falls on the floor in my living room. All over my rug, and I did replace that rug later. And so, uh, so the next 10 minutes after that, she's like, I'm just like having contractions really close together. And she just looks at me, and because she's trying to get me, I think, to the I think to the bathroom so that I can put like a um like a adult diaper on, you know, cause like I need to take my underwear off, but there's like fluids. So we get the adult diaper on, but I can like barely walk to the fucking bathroom. Like, you know, and she just looks at me and I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I can get to the car. And she's like, Megan, do you want to have this baby here 
are in the hospital. And I'm just like, oh, shit. <laughs> so she gets me to the car and like she, for some reason, I think there was like car seats. She can't fit in the car. It was my husband driving, my mom in the front seat and me in the back. And they're like, oh, do we strap her in? Or like, what do we do? And she's mm-hmm. like, nope, she's going to be on her knees in the back seat facing the back of the car. And they're like, oh, is that safe? She's like, dude, she's having a baby. It doesn't matter. You need to get her to the hospital. And the hospital's like, okay, like 15, 20 minutes away. So right before she closes the door, putting me in the car, she just tells me, if you feel the need to push birthday candles. And I'm like, oh my God. Cause she's referring, you know, when to birth. <laughs> yeah. She's referring to that point when you need to push and like, you're not supposed to like push super hard cause you could tear. So your breathing needs to be like, like as if you're blowing out a birthday candle. So I'm like, okay, got it. But that part kind of scared me a little bit. Cause I was like, why is she telling me that? But, um, didn't have too much time to stress. So you know, my husband starts driving to the hospital and every single turn, I am just like cussing at him, like, blow <laughs> the fuck down. Oh my God. Ah, you know, and, he, and the, like the poor guy, you know, he's really trying his best, trying to get us there safely and quickly. So, you know, every second he's got a decision to make, mm-hmm. like, how, how do I conquer this turn? And like, you know, my wife is screaming at me and but like the main thing I remember about the car ride and, and okay, so just to get in my head, I'm having contractions probably like a minute apart at this point and they're really intense and I can feel, I'm, I'm already getting the urge to push, which is kind of like, it's an urge that you can't control. It's like kind of when you have to go poop really bad like you're just like ah I need to get it out but like you can't okay it's actually much stronger yeah, than that but, so yes the biggest yeah. your life it's it's the biggest push of your life yeah so I I'm like I'm basically like trying to keep her in at that point because every contraction feels like a push and I'm like birthday candles like Oh my God. But every turn that he makes is like, so my body's so sensitive, right? Cause it's really, okay. Birth is like, or contractions are painful, but they're, they're, they're mainly intense. I'd say like 75% of it is just full body intensity and 25% of it is pain. And so, um, and of course the combination of the two is what makes it like, ah, but yeah. So you know, we're driving and, and I just get this like instinctual urge that I'm like, okay, the car is swaying way too much with every movement. I don't feel grounded. I'm kind of scared that like, I'm not strong enough to hold myself up. So like, I need to get on the floor of the car because then I'll be closer to the, you know, the chassis, the like structure of the car and I won't have as much sway. So I do that. And then I managed to hold the baby in up until we're parked in like the kind of drop-off zone of the ER, which happened to be like kind of the entrance into where you're supposed to go for labor and delivery, Right, I think. Um, And that's kind of the point where like, you know, when you have to pee really bad and like you finally reach the toilet, but like if there's some kind of barrier between you 
reaching the toilet, like at any second, you could just pee right. your pants. Yes. That's where I, I was at. I think that was all the time. I'm like, oh, here's your urinal. Just right on my shoes. I'm like, cool, cool. <laughs> but yeah continue I didn't mean to stop the momentum the story is getting to its climax I know so so we're in we're in the like that and that's when I'm like oh baby's coming and so the the doula Kim she's amazing she was in her car right behind me and she can kind of like see it happening and she's just like oh because that she could see my head until I went down on the ground and when she when she saw I, she couldn't see my head anymore. She was like, "Oh shit! Like it's happening," and um, and so she opens the car door, and I'm clearly like heavily in labor. And I tell her like, "I don't know what to do. Like, like what do I do?" And the badass bitch that she is, without even like me knowing, she takes her phone and she puts it in the back seat pocket, and so she filmed this entire thing. I have the birth video. It's on Instagram. It's not that hard to find. <laughs> yeah. But, intense. You're like, holy shit. My best friend is the like world's strongest baddie of the universe. It is fucking awesome. But yes, yes. Thank you, Dula, for having that insight. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. So, um, so she just tells me like, it's, I was like, what do I do? She's like, you don't need to do anything. Just, just breathe. Like you're having a baby. And so this big contraction came and I reached down and I could feel her head and I'm like, oh my God, big contraction came. Boop. Her head came out. Didn't need to push. Fell out of me. Cause I was like, what do I do? Do I push? Do I do this? Do I do that? No, dude, I didn't have to do shit. Her head just came out and I'm like, ah, and then there was, you know, maybe a few seconds. I don't know. Maybe it was a minute. I don't remember. And then, boom, her body came out. And I was like, oh, are you okay? You know, and and I held her. And the, the you know, so I didn't birth my placenta in the car because that's the part that comes next. So her umbilical cord was still, she was attached to it and the placenta was inside of me. So I had to like super awkwardly like, climb over the umbilical cord and luckily they had a stretcher there already because my mom just like guns it into the er and is like my daughter's having a baby and they're like yeah okay yeah they're like yeah uh bring her inside she's like no she's having a baby in the car outside like come now and so they're like oh shit so they come out and there was actually an er doctor that was like standing near me right before I was about to deliver and he was kind of like shell-shocked like (laughs) didn't know what to do I I don't even know like how many babies he had delivered before but my doula just looks at him she's like uh the baby's about to come out like are you gonna catch it and he looks at her and he's like no no no, you go ahead (laughs) so she's like so she cat she catches the baby and um I think it was out of probably hundreds of births, I think it was the first baby she ever caught. And it was truly a special moment. And they wheeled me into the ER and everybody was clapping. And yeah, you were dead. (laughs) It was intense. (laughs) Wow. That I'm telling you guys, that is a story in a half, like scene, parking lot, 
outside of an ER, you have a baby in the actual car. Wow. And thank God, thank God you had the doula because I feel like, as you can tell, ER people don't really know what the hell they're doing with the babies because that's not where their specialty lies. So it's just... Yeah, I, I think you guys are interested apparently because you put this on social media you said um yeah she did I think a couple times and I did two it wasn't like you know the main Bro. post but if people had the courage to scroll then <laughs> it was partially there yeah well what if I volunteered you and said maybe you'll find a link to Megan's birth video below or something like that because we could do that we could if do you that. really want to know like the true side of birth like that video shows it and I feel like the really empowering part of that video was like you were so happy like you were like awake the whole time you knew yeah. I mean you talked loudly like you were like you were like you know, it's head, like it's yeah. coming, like it's out. Like you can see that you were totally doing it. And I don't know. It's just so crazy to know that, like, I, I don't know I, that you could do it. I guess if you could do it, like anyone can do it, I suppose. And oh my gosh, the hopscotching over the freaking umbilical cord. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's like the most. That's the most awkward part of the video because, like, you know, I mean, I've seen so many birth videos by now because I'm interested in this stuff and, like, nothing at this point can phase me or gross me out. But, like, watching your – so I already have a big butt. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea knows this. I don't know what happened in my development, but I have a – I have a – I have a big butt. And when I'm pregnant, I have an even bigger butt. And it is my butt. It is my butt. It is the video is my butt. And, you know, I have cellulite, not ashamed to admit it. And it's funny how like that's the stuff when you're looking at a video of yourself, you're like, oh my God. But it's like also just the least important thing because I'm literally birthing a child. But, um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I posted it and I shared it and she asked me, of course, if she could post it. And I just, I just, uh, we just need to normalize all this stuff, you know, like I just, I think it's important to share, to share experiences and make it, make it normal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. Um, just to change gears here for a little bit, I feel that what was really unique about obviously outside of the fact that you had your baby in a car um is that you had a doula and I was hoping you could just tell the listeners a like what is a doula but b why did you decide you needed or wanted or desired a doula and like why was it worth the cost and like how much did it cost those were kind of my doula questions so first question is would you like to let the listeners know what is a doula? Yeah. So I'm 
not the best at explaining things, but <laughs> the kind of definition of a doula, according to the Mag- American Pregnancy Association, is a professional trained in childbirth who provides emotional, physical, and educational support to a mother who is expecting, experiencing labor, or has recently given birth. And their purpose is to help a woman have a safe, memorable, and empowering birthing experience. So that's exactly what she did for me. Perfect. I do um, doula training myself. So quick and tiny background for me. I thought I was going to be a labor and delivery nurse. So I did my whole uh, like master's and everything in, uh, I worked in labor and delivery places. My journey in nursing actually took me to a float pool. So now I work every single department. But um, when I did take the doula training course, it basically, it basically, I remember them just saying like, yo, back in the day when women had babies, they did not have them in hospitals with a doctor. Like you had it with like wise old lady of the tribe who would just kind of (laughs) tell you the, the real real and have the wisdom to stay calm and like walk you through the different sections of it. So I feel like essentially a doula is this version, this job that was created to fill that void because that completely got wiped away when yeah, that like, you know, a birth was a medical emergency and, you know, doctors have to be involved, Western medicine, because there is, that's a whole, that's a whole discussion, but yeah. Okay. So that's great. And then, so why did you personally, like, how, how did you find out about it? And then why were you like, this is what I need that like, what made you feel like you needed a doula? Well, I, I don't know if I was pregnant or I was planning on having a baby soon, but I actually found her on Instagram and I started following her and I think it was just, I wasn't like searching for one, but, um, you know, you can follow her, 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 her handle is at mama at mama three birds. So M A M A T H R E E B I R D S because she's got three kids, but, um, I don't know. Her posts were just really inspiring and I learned a lot about doula hood from it. And so when I got pregnant, I reached out to her very early on in my pregnancy and I was like, I want you to be my doula. And I booked her and I can't remember exactly how much it cost, but I think it was around like two grand or something in two installments. And for me, I just knew that I would need her. For one, I have like no family that lives near me. My parents are like a 10 hour drive away. Um, You know, you live far away. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anyone that I knew, you know, my husband's parents kind of same thing. I knew that I wouldn't have anyone in the hospital room other than my husband. And He was great during birth, but he's not a woman. He's never had a baby before. It was his first time. I knew that I needed extra support. And I have this like instinctual thing where I make impulsive decisions, but they end up (laughs) really helping me later on. And so I, I hired her and I feel like for one, she gave me a lot of advice because I knew I wanted a natural birth and I knew it wasn't like you know, a hundred percent because you can't control everything, but she helped me a lot in 
finding a doctor that supported that and that wouldn't kind of push me into intervention methods that could then lead me into a C-section. Um, and then, you know, she's got like um, a gentle but like strong personality. Mm. And I knew that she would be able to guide me in the hospital when I might be a little bit indecisive and, you know, her knowing kind of my birth plan. I mean, she can't make decisions on your behalf, but she can reassure you and remind you to the point where you feel more confident making birth decisions of course. on your behalf. Yeah. Because like with my first baby, they were trying to give me Pitocin to get my labor going. And I looked at her and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And so my doctor ended up calling the midwife that I was using before they switched me to a doctor because of my low platelets. And he called her and let her know like where I was along in labor. And they, they ended up like trying to get my labor going faster by doing, by using like a breast pump, um, to, to try to get the, um, oxytocin flowing because like nipple stimulation does that. So just like little things like that helped me have a more natural, labor. And then I think the the key part with the first birth, I mean, obviously the second birth, the key part was I gave birth <laughs> in a car and she got my baby, but the first birth, damn, like when you start having those really serious contractions, just the simple advice, her holding my hand, the husband holding the other hand and her telling me like, stay low, stay low. Because like, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're, your the sounds that you're making can become really high pitched and by like keeping your pitch low it helps you like kind of ground yourself and not go out of control and just how she was helping with my breathing like that really really helped um and then after of course she helped diagnose my my like breastfeeding disorder so <sighs> well that's really cool to know because Obviously, I didn't have one, and I feel like a lot of people kind of have heard the word doula but don't know if it's right for them. So what I'm hearing from you is it sounds like really assess your, like, social support network, and yeah, if you're like, hey, I it's worth, you know, the biggest thing they're going to be is peace of mind, and if it's in your budget, then that might be the number one reason to, to get one. Um, cause as you show anything can happen, which I don't know, maybe, maybe next time I, I'll have a doula, but that, that's pretty interesting. So you mentioned that you had some like breastfeeding issues. So you had, I actually didn't really know what was the name of the thing that they said you had. Um, so the, the acronym for it is DEMER, uh, D-M-E-R, and it stands for dysphoric milk ejection reflex. Ooh, sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds sexy because it's got the word ejection in it. <laughs> uh, so in your own words, uh, describe oh, wh- like what, what, is- what it is, d- dysphoric milk yeah. ejection reflex. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, it's basically when it's like a disorder where, where, when your milk drops, which if you don't know what milk dropping is, like it's where you spill the floor, right? Hmm. Where you spill your milk on the floor. 
Well, it's like when you're it's when your boobs are like <laughs> this is clearly not a scientific explanation, but it's like when you hear your baby crying or like when it's time to feed because your body's on a schedule, your 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 milk kind of gets ready to come out. It starts like siphoning to your boob or something. So some some women actually feel it like or probably most women and it can it can hurt or it just kind of feels like you feel like milk moving through like a tube in sort of near your armpit like it's usually like the side of your of your breast so um what you're describing is basically what people would say the letdown right so you're storing the milk in your breast all day yeah Um, it's not just like ready to go but no is there's this like hormonal crazy cycle, which I vaguely remember, but it's something like when you hear your kid crying or when you're doing the snuggles and it releases that like dopamine, it will go have a letdown. So the milk will actually like let down. And that's when, even if you're not actually breastfeeding, you're going to have release and the milk is going to come through your nipples. And so sometimes it's a pain in the butt, right? She would like be at work eating a piece of chocolate, get that nice yeah. dopamine release. And you're like, ah, and then you're just going to milk through your shirt. So it's called right. let down. And that's what can be a really frustrating part for people when they're breastfeeding, because you can't just like stick the kid on your boob and be like, great, here we go. You have to like relax yourself enough for the milk mm-hmm. to let down. And it sounds like in your case, you were very aware of like, you could like almost feel it physically in your body when the milk was ready to let down. Yeah. So like you said, there's like a dopamine reaction. And in my case, my dopamine, this is the disorder. My dopamine would drop way too low. So I would get the most chest crushing, crippling anxiety right before my letdown to the point where I would know when I was going to get that feeling in my boobs, like the milk was coming 30 seconds before it even happened. And it was like clockwork, but I didn't, I didn't actually get the correlation until I was diagnosed. So I would just feel this chest crushing anxiety and I don't even know how to explain it, but it basically feels like the world is going to end. It's like visceral and it, it just feels absolutely horrible and if you don't know that you have demer, it just feels like it's part of postpartum. It just feels like, oh, this is what it's like having a baby. And so, like post-depression, all- right? That's kind of more what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, yeah. And so, I, I kind of, I voiced it to my doula, and she was like, oh, I think you might have this. And so she reached out to a lactation consultant that she knows, and. I was diagnosed with it, but when the babies, you know, when it's a newborn, they need to feed like all the time and your milk drop is dropping all the time. Cause like you're full of hormones and your baby's super cute. And so it was happening every 10 minutes. So by the time I had recovered from the first wave, it just happened again. And so I lived for the first month, basically in like a perpetual state of extreme anxiety. And it was, it was really rough. It was really rough. Oh God. That just like, Ooh, I have 
PTSD, just listening to that, that sounds God awful because again, I'm sure many of the listeners know, but when you're breastfeeding for the first time, I mean, you are literally breastfeeding two hours around the clock. So I can't imagine every two hours having like a crippling panic attack coupled with sprinkles of depression and feeling like the world is just over. Yeah. When you're supposed to be like feeding your child. I mean, it's such a horrible correlation that if it were me, I mean, I would have been like, great. Sounds like we're getting formula, but for you going and like what, I guess maybe was it the doula that like made you feel empowered to keep going or just sheer stubbornness or what made you possibly want to keep doing it? I mean, I was definitely one of those moms that was like, I really wanted to breastfeed. I wanted to make it at least six months. You know, my goal was a year and it was so uncomfortable for me. And and just like keep in mind, this is not postpartum anxiety. This is not like feeling like your baby, baby, like being worried about your baby. This is like purely physiological. Like it has nothing to do with your mental health. It's like a physiological glitch where your dopamine drops and you feel anxious for like literally no reason. It's very confusing. And I I don't know like the exact point that I started hybrid formula feeding, but I I had a, I mean I really had I had so much feeling, so many feelings of guilt because I knew that I couldn't keep going on like this, that it was going to throw me into a serious spiral and like full transparency. I mean, I've had depression and anxiety since I was in high school. And so postpartum depression and anxiety was definitely on my radar. I didn't know if I would get it or not, but I knew that I was um, at risk. And so, but I had all this mom guilt too, because I really wanted to breastfeed that six months. But I, you know, at a certain point, you just have to assess and be like, I can't care for my baby properly if I am not also taking care of myself. And so, and the doula, like, that's what I liked about having one is she mitigated that guilt that I was feeling. And she let me know that it was okay for me to formula feed. Or, well, you, know, you said hybrid something or other. What's that? Well, so there's like hybrid bottle feeding and then there's hybrid formula feeding. So you can also pump and bottle feed. But for me, that didn't help that much. It actually made the deemer kind of worse because instead of getting the bonding time with your baby where they're, you know, they're feeding off of you and you get to hold them, you just become like a cow that's like being milked by a device and you're still feeling the sensation of the anxiety, but hybrid formula feeding is when you're like, you're breastfeeding and you're doing formula. So like you're kind of doing Mm. both in tandem and it will reduce your milk supply uh, because if you're not like, unless you're pumping every single time you're formula feeding um, so that your body keeps producing milk because then at least even though you're formula feeding, you can then be pumping, getting the milk so that it can be used later. So that if say you start going to work, your spouse or whatever can be using the breast milk. So 
it, yeah, it just, uh, then it becomes hard because your milk supply, unless you're like, like just so intense with it, following a schedule rigu- rigorously, which is hard to do if you have demer, then your milk supply starts reducing, right? And and thus begins the path towards slowly weaning your child, which you might not be ready for. So mm-hmm. what happened what happened in my case is around three months, my daughter started rejecting me and I couldn't, and, and meaning like I would give her the nipple and she was like, nope, I don't want that. I'd prefer a bottle. And that I was so not ready for, did not think was going to happen. And I wish that I had um, researched this a little bit more and fed her differently, done more like paste bottle feeding so that she, she wouldn't be overly stoked on the bottle. And uh, yeah, it's a whole thing. So yeah, long story short, I made it to about three months with her actually feeding from me. And then I pumped probably till about for five months. And then I just formula fed for the rest of it. So I, I like kind of reached my goal, but way to go. I can't believe you. I would have done it like once, maybe twice and been like, well, that's good. So you're getting, <laughs> so that is incredible. I feel, I don't know about you, but I feel like when it comes to breastfeeding, particularly in Western society, like I very much understand the notion of why they push it because it is, and there are like 10,000 amazing reasons why to do it, but like, it's okay to use formula. Like your kid will survive and you're not a horrible mom. And like, there's just such a push and agenda to do breastfeeding from the hospital before the baby books. Like it's, overcoming the guilt of not breastfeeding if that's just something you need to do or just from the bat you're like "Mm, that's not what I'm doing it's really hard I think that like everyone and their mom when you randomly get into this postpartum game is like pushing you and pushing you and pushing you and pushing you to do breastfeeding and it's just like I think everyone just needs to like listen to themselves and you know either call that best friend or have that doula to like really cheerlead you on because I I don't know did you experience that that like everyone seems to be like if you're a good mom you're gonna breastfeed every single day for a year like did you get that message yeah I felt so pressured to do it and I wanted to do it and I I pushed myself way beyond where I where I I should have because I was like okay just one more week like just one more day and I was you know I was totally suffering and and it's tough too. Cause like my parents and my husband, they weren't really educated on this, um, beyond what I was learning as we went. And so like, they weren't, you know, they weren't really guiding me one way or another. Like it was all up to me and it, it was really freeing and gratifying to to have the doula there and kind of give me permission I guess to to start the formula feeding but it's so sad to just like need permission you know like I think that's the kind of mind fuck behind it all and and 
at least my personality, like I'm, I'm strong-willed and independent and whatever, but I felt like I needed permission to do that. And I wish I had given myself permission, you know? I mean, thank God you're starting the Butterfly Cub because truly that's what's been taken away is the tribe and the idea that like you are very capable and you can make these decisions for yourself regarding one way or the other because there's just, in my opinion, so much going on in Western medicine where the power imbalance is insane. You know what I mean? Like ER doctor who has never even given birth to a child can have like, if that scenario was any different, could be saying all these things and you're just going to shake your head and go, "Uh uh-huh, okay. And maybe miss like something that your body is screaming for you to do otherwise. And I just think it's so important that people have their tribe, listen to their people and like give themselves permission to do things different because, um, I don't know. I feel like I've seen so many births and so many pregnancies and they are all incredibly unique. And I just feel like across the board, 99% of women are just doing what they're told. And it's like this time to connect with yourself and be like, hey, what's best for me? What's best for my child? And have your tribe support you. So Oh man, what some crazy stories we've had today. So we've had the birth, the doula, the breastfeeding. I feel like if you're up for it, we'll just cover one more topic. I know it just, there's so much here and we can go on for years, but the last thing I just kind of wanted to talk about is knowing what you know now, would you have done anything different with either of your births or like Is there anything that you just want to like shake and tell somebody like, this is what you need to know? Um, I think that for one, I don't think I have anything specific to say about my second birth. I mean, you know, I, as, as crazy as it was, it was it was perfect. You know, like I, I, I just, I knew what was for one, because I'd had a baby before I knew what was happening in my body and I just like trusted it. I trusted it more. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like my inner voice was like, yep, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. This is what happens. This is having a baby. Um, and I was so glad that I had the same doula again, because you know, when you're mid labor, like it's hard to tell the ER doctor that everything's okay and to not intervene, but she was right there telling him, yep, everything's fine. She's just having a baby. She was, um, she was swept this morning and everything's great. And there's no, you know, there's no problem here. And so it kind of like led them to back off. Whereas they felt like they could have treated it more as an emergency situation had she not been there. But for my first birth, I, Man, I don't know. I, 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 I was so focused on birth period um, because that's the scary part. That's what everyone makes you feel so scared about. And I did not know 
anything about breastfeeding and I'm not even talking like mechanics and good latch and all of that. I'm just talking about like breastfeeding being difficult and like take, it can take a couple weeks to, to even learn how to do it properly. And it takes like a month for your baby to get good at it. I mean, babies are horrible when they first start. They're like, they can barely move their head and hold their head up and it takes skill, man. Like it takes skill and tricks and just like think researching all that stuff ahead of time, like good, you know, good ways to hold your baby and good ways to get a good latch. And like your nipples are going to hurt. And like, you know, it's probably because they don't have a good latch and like you can take a break so your nipples can heal. And what do I do if my baby doesn't want to like take a bottle so nobody can feed them and like there's just so much learning to be done and you're already like friggin exhausted postpartum and it's like you kind of it's just nicer to do that learning before than like as you go Mm. and the stuff that I was focused on which is like what baby bouncer do I buy and like top 20 lists of things you need before having a baby. That's the stuff that you can figure out after having a baby because your baby might not like the bouncer you bought. And if you get it more than 90 days before they're born, you might be past even the Target return period, you know, um, or certainly the Amazon, the Amazon one. So like, don't get that stuff until your baby's born because you're probably going to be holding your baby for most of the time Amazon Prime, two days, Target, get it same day. Like, you don't need to worry about any of that stuff. Probably the only thing you need is, like, a bottle, maybe, maybe not, and, like, diapers. That's it. Your baby just needs your boob and it needs a diaper. That's pretty much all it needs. And maybe maybe a bassinet, but even that, your baby might hate a freaking bassinet. It might want to sleep while attached to your boob. Research co-sleeping, how to do it safely. Research... I don't know. Like there's just, I think research for one way more important than like stuff, you know, that's like, uh, you have your next article here, 10 things to actually learn and worry about before having a baby. Yeah. It's my, it's my five step roadmap to prepare for postpartum while you're, you're pregnant. Actually have one. I, oh no, I do. I do. Yeah. (laughs) You're Hello. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. Well, now I'm going to do that thing they say in podcasts, like <laughs> link below five-step roadmap or something. Is that how you say it? Uh, yeah. Am I yeah. being podcasty enough? That's it, right? Or or is that YouTube? Is YouTube like and subscribe? Uh, yeah. No, you're great at this, Chelsea. You're, <laughs> you're, doing, a, you're doing a great job. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I just, you know, be good at my job here. Um, all right. But no. Okay, so what I was hearing from you is that you primarily, if you were reflecting back on this whole transitional period of your life, you were focusing on just this one moment birth. And maybe if you had the wisdom to do it again, which you can't, but um, it was maybe not so much focusing on the birth part, but it sounds like the after part, the postpartum part, the part that actually is like, more of a challenge than it sounds like, yes, birth is painful, birth is intense, you could have it in a car. 
but it's like it's almost like up to the gods it sounds like you know like it's happening yeah. one way or another so that is sort of in a way out of your control which might be liberating where it sounds like the postpartum period is where you really are in the weeds and just like trying to navigate and maybe when you're totally like sleep deprived and hormonal and in your case like literally feeling like the world's going to end every two hours this isn't your prime like like 45 minutes but yeah (sighs) oh gosh yeah I mean and I don't want to say don't prepare for birth because I did take um a natural birthing class at you know like the local of course yeah like do do that for sure and I you know I read an amazing book um I forget the author author about childbirth and sphincter I mean I learned I was gonna say sphincters the witch (laughs) sphincters birth that's a whole other discussion but that for sure helped with birth But, like, if you think about the timeline of the first year of your baby's life, dude, birth is, like, what, one, two, maybe three days? Like, God forbid. And, like, uh, what about the first three months? Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for the first three months? Because I guarantee you, you're going to look back and say that the first three months were a lot harder than childbirth. So that's the takeaway message here. Hmm. I think that's really interesting. I challenge you i i think it would be really beneficial to listeners or people in general to write maybe a timeline you know of like this is what your day-to-day is going to feel like from i don't know you know three a month before the baby's born to a full year after because like yeah there's so many apps and stuff where you're like today your baby's a tomato and like today you might feel your left pinky toe raise. Like you have like day-to-day updates before the baby's born. And then after the baby born, it's just like, yeah, there's that for that. Like, <laughs> like, like today's the day your baby might like roll or today's the day, you know, typically babies just want to fucking scream their lives off. Like, uh, you know, no. The, the whole tummy discomfort thing that they experience, like within the first month or whatever, where like, I remember my doula telling me, yeah, they're upset because they don't know how to fart. I was like, excuse me? She's like, yeah, they have gas. They don't know how to fart. I was like, oh, my God. Like, how frustrating. No wonder she's upset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm just getting so pumped talking to you because I'm just really saying that there is just such a void here. And, like, I just can't. I hope that this helps somebody and everybody because, yeah, it's just such a lonely and difficult and challenging period and there's there's not the tribe mentality that used to be and okay this is me on my little soapbox um so p.s just biased i'm very heavy science and i'm very heavy i guess you know hippie person as well i'm a big mixture of those but when you do some research on just the the whole journey of how people used to give birth. And I'm talking like Cro-Magnons, you know, (laughs) like the whole anthropological study. It is fascinating. And I could go on about it like forever, but the light little slice that we just came out of is this slice where women used to be supporting other women primarily to do the whole birth and postpartum process. And the last, you know, 50 years or so, 
they took this, they took away all that knowledge and it got lost through the generations. Like your mom doesn't know all this stuff usually either. They're not like, that's why we have lactation consultants. That's why we have doulas. That's why we have sleep trainers because it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's a truly, the knowledge is way more than just what your mom can tell you. And basically the reason it got lost is for 50 years, when you put a woman in the hospital, like the first thing they do is they lay you on your back, which like, this is not the position that literally I'm just going to say, nobody wants to give birth on their back. Like, yeah, it's just like not the position. And then you can read studies like this, the rate of C-sections and stuff. I think it was, don't quote me, but I'm just going to say higher, but I want to say it was twofold right before doctors are going on their like 13th hour of work and about to go home and right before doctors, um, like lunch breaks, <laughs> like basically yeah. birth became this whole thing where it was like a male's point of view of like what's helpful for them to, and doctors are great. Don't get me wrong. And they have changed a lot, but just the whole culture is like, not as we said in our first podcast, like it's not for women. Like no, it's this, not. this is not made by women for women to empower women. Like in your time of transitioning into motherhood, it's like, you're going to learn like, oh, this is world was set up from a man's perspective or a yeah. capitalist society's perspective. It's not here being like, oh yeah, cool. We've got these really great, like crouching mm-hmm. bars and bouncy things. And no, they're going to like strap you in, keep you on your back, put a bunch of wires on you. Totally. Like, you know, they're going to be like on your, you're going to be so detached from your body that you might, you know what I mean? Just chill out. Like the baby's going to come, but no, you're on now this doctor schedule, which includes his other patients and his lunches. And when he needs to get home and see his family. So of course he's going to be like, I don't know. We've been waiting eight hours. Let's do Pitocin. Let's, you know, get, and it just disrupts this whole process where. Yeah. Which is like the most amazing moment of your life almost. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it just is overshadowed by all of these interventions and by just the male perspective. Exactly. And the main thing is, thank God they're here too, right? Thank God we have C-sections, right? There's many, many people who need them. Thank God there is, you know, Pitocin and there is, um, I'm totally blanking, the thing that they put your spinal uh, cord. Oh yeah, um, epidurals. Epidurals. All those things are totally wonderful and totally great. And there's also a weird culture too, where it's like, you again feel like you need permission to be like is it okay if I have the epidural like am I less of a woman or like oh my god that's the whole point it shouldn't be on somebody else's schedule on whether you need to be getting it or not like so I just anyway that's me I'm off my soapbox and I really, really, really am just so grateful that you came on today. Obviously, it's your show, but I'm just really grateful I got to interview you because I just feel that let's put the power back into our own hands. Let's get the knowledge out there. Let's connect people. So if they want doulas or they want coaches, that this just becomes such common, common 
knowledge because like if we're not doing it for ourselves certainly you know nobody's gonna do it for us medicine isn't going to be changing on its own anytime soon you know and I work in the industry every day and it's a big reason I'm not a labor and delivery nurse you know it's it's not really 100% for the patient all the time so with that I feel like I just want to say thanks. And I'm going to give the last question you gave me because I loved it so much. With all your Megan wisdom regarding anything and everything, what advice would you love to share? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, I just think that it can be hard to block out the noise when it comes to other people's opinions, including your spouses. And I think just confidence in your thoughts, your feelings, um, your wants, your needs. I think that that is the biggest factor in doing what's best for yourself and for your baby. And there can be a tremendous amount of self-doubt in birth and new motherhood and postpartum. And I think that, you know, working on yourself ahead of time and seeing a therapist, if you're not going to see, if you're not already seeing one and like just working on yourself, because everything about yourself is going to affect your decisions, your ability to parent, your happiness, all of that stuff that you haven't worked out yet, go work on it. And if you don't know what this stuff is, then think about what are your anxieties in life and what are the main problems that you have in your relationships with people? What are your fights with people about? What are your true feelings? Just like knowing, having kind of emotional intelligence about what you're feeling and why you're feeling it, Um, and this could be about anything, that is going to give you a guiding light into like what issues you need to work on and why you're feeling those feelings, whether it be insecurities or confidence levels or anxieties or ways that you manage your anger or ways that you manage I don't know, anything life throws at you, dig deep. And it's hard to do this on your own, but you can do it on your own as soon as you start kind of researching and you could be journaling or you could be learning or you could be talking to someone. Start digging because believe me, there's going to be many, many, many layers. And as soon as you unpeel one, you can start unpeeling the next and just keep going because I feel like doing that while you're pregnant is only going to help you so much more during birth, postpartum, motherhood, all of the above. So work on yourself. That is my takeaway message to everyone. Oh man, I love it. As always, you're such an inspiration and I love that your last closing statement is just know thyself. So I think we can wrap it up any better than that. Thanks, girl. Thanks for, you know, 
Thanks for chatting with me. And I do have a 20 page guide to preparing for postpartum while you're pregnant. And I will share the link to download. It's a five step roadmap of everything you should learn. And it does come with the workbook too, so that you can work your way through it and start planning yourself. So check it out and we will see you next time. Chelsea and I have a pretty exciting episode planned for next time. Bye.